the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. Talking all things financial. Bringing in my longtime radio partner, content partner, podcast partner, business partner, CFP, Chad Burton, certified financial planner and regional director of EP Wealth. Chad, where does 2022 find you these days? Busy. <laughs> That's for sure. Busier um, than normal? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'd say busier than normal. It was a, it was a very interesting tax season to say the least. Why would it, why was it interesting? Cause tax never sounds interesting. Oh boy. I, to me, when I get a, a copy of somebody's statements, a list of expenses and a tax return, I can put the puzzle together. Interesting. Um, and what was interesting about this tax season is that mutual funds held in taxable accounts and even some ETFs, Rob, there is some of the largest capital gains distributions that I've seen in the, since 1999. Um, in 1999, there was a big run-up in tech stocks and some funds started to, to sell. Yep. And even though people didn't take money out of their accounts, they get this capital gains distribution in December and it creates a taxable event. It's like paying taxes early, but it increases your cost basis for the future. And it's just, it's never fun because it's like, okay, I didn't take any money out of this to spend yet I still owe taxes on it. Um, and essentially to explain that, you know, if you buy a stock in your normal account, your non-retirement account, so either you go to Schwab, let's say you open an account in your name, joint with your spouse or in a living trust, and you invest in, let's say towards the end of the year, you have a stock that has a gain and you, you sell it and you reinvest it into something else, that, that's a capital gain, right? You've got to report that gain. Mm-hmm. Well, the same things happen inside mutual funds and, and ETFs. It's not as bad with ETFs. ETFs are more tax efficient, but both of them are a basket of stocks where you put the money in, it gets diversified among several different stocks. And in mutual funds, you can actually inherit capital gains. So you can buy a fund today that's owned Apple for five years. And next month, if they decide to sell Apple or a portion of it even, when it comes to December, you're going to realize that they sold that and you're going to participate in a capital gains distribution and you're going to owe taxes. You're going to see it on your 1099. You're going to owe taxes on it. Now it does increase your cost basis. So when you sell in the future, it's not like you're going to pay taxes twice. Long story short, they were the largest since I've seen in 1999, especially in some of the small cap funds that it did really well from like March, April of 2020 during the big correction all the way forward. Um, and uh, so that created some surprises for people. Is there uh, an underlying theme here that you're getting at that Wall Street, in their own kind of smart way, were sellers of big winners heading into 2022? Yeah, I think where I saw it the most is some of the small cap growth funds that had done okay. really well the previous couple of years started to realize, number one, some of these small cap funds, small cap stocks that we own are no longer small cap, they're mid or large. Right. So we've got to sell them to get them out of the fund or they've become too expensive. 
Um, even if you look right now, Rob, a, a small cap growth ETF and the forecast of PE ratios versus small cap value ETF, it's much different. It's like half. It's there's the everybody investing with Robinhood and getting into the meme stocks and these small growth companies that don't have maybe a ton of profit, but they got a ton of revenue. Mm-hmm. And just push that side of the market way up into a very expensive area. It's interesting. So they it's had kind to of like a, a microclimate in the Bay Area or a micro trend on Wall Street, where sometimes yeah, you absolutely. just don't see it coming. Let's go back to what you do. You're a certified financial planner and a regional director for EP Wealth. You have a team of financial planners working with you. So one of your things to do is to monitor taxes. And like you're saying, uh, you know, two or 3% of a total portfolio tends to be a lot of money when you start adding it up. And I'll do a segment on how to save two to 3% on a credit card. You can do a segment on how to save two or 3% in capital gains taxes. It goes a long way to getting where people need to be. Let's talk about, you have a portion of your clients with retire, who are retirees and a portion of your clients who are pre-retirement. You probably don't have a lot of teenagers. Um, what are the retirees thinking about these days? Well, the most common concerns are going to be the war in Ukraine becoming more of a global issue. Mm-hmm. Um, economically, it's already creating a global issue, but, um, and then inflation, right? You always say inflation is your boogeyman. Well, <laughs> we're sure seeing it these days, aren't we? Yeah. And uh, returns after inflation are important to calculate just as well as, you know, overall returns. So it's a bit of a problem. Are, are retirees no longer concerned about disease? Because I think when you, your headlines are, what are retirees concerned about? War, inflation, and disease. Sounds a lot better than just war and inflation. No, I mean, the, the, still the number one cost, uh, worry among retirees is unexpected healthcare costs or health events. So that's, that's still number one going into this year, you know, prior to the war and these inflationary numbers. Um, and, you know, we can talk about the inflation because there's, there's ways to deal with it. First of all, you got to have a detailed cash flow based retirement plan so you can run scenarios of high inflation. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're retired, most of the inflation that we're seeing comes from food, gas and housing costs, right? Well, when you're retired, your home is, you're typically already in your home, right? It's not like you're paying more for rent or you're going to buy a new house anytime real soon. Typically it's you're downsizing, right? And that's a lot easier to do with prep, uh, prop 19. You can downsize, you can even upsize if you want, but you can maintain your property tax base all around California. Now, if you sell in retirement, so retirees tend to eat less food. They tend to not drive to work as often. So they're paying less for gas and they've already got their home. So there's going to be less pressure on inflation for retirees besides healthcare costs than a family of four or five, or in my case, a family of six. <laughs> so soon to um, be, you got to do a, a modern reboot on Netflix of eight is enough. <laughs> right. Awful show. So where do we go with this? Um, I saw the healthcare costs are starting to hit, you know, uh, bankruptcies and, people going into problems with medical collection debt. Is that an issue for retirees that you see somewhat rarely, rarely often, not that often? Well, I'm meeting with um, some clients and friends tonight because they've seen their mom go through uh, four years of, of memory care now. And so they're in their early sixties and they're like, okay, how are we going to deal with this costs. One of them, there's no way they're going to be able to get any kind of long-term care insurance based on health history. So they're kind of like, okay, how do we protect ourselves? So 
one person isn't broke after one person spends three or four years in a nursing home. Um, so it, it's a big problem in the United States for sure. Interesting to talk about as a financial planner, the retirees of the three biggest concerns, you're talking about the war in Ukraine, inflation and healthcare costs and uh, disease. I'm lumping that one into is inflation the problem that you have with it the most that they may not be focusing in on? No, I, I think that inflation will will calm itself down after a you know maybe three Stretch. or four years of of higher. Um, the the issue has to do and stocks always do well and even rising rate environments. Rob, I mean companies know how to increase prices to fight inflation and pass it on to the consumer. So it's really the bond side, the safer side of the portfolios that's the issue we can talk about. We'll talk about that as the show unravels and unfolds today. It's CFP Chad Burton. He's a regional director for EP Wealth. He has the ability to do a portfolio review and decide if you need management. You need to contact him, though, at his website, chadburton.com. That's C-H-A-D-B-U-R-T-O-N.com. It's CFP Chad Burton. He's sitting in for the whole hour with me. Stay tuned. We got more content coming at you right after this. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is The Rob Black Show. I've been interviewing financial people for 25 years. I've interviewed Peter Lynch. I've interviewed Bill Clinton. Many, many, many more. I Wait, think what you interviewed Bill Clinton, Rob? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, how was how have I not known this? I've known you since what, 98, 99? <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah. Wow. It, we don't, don't get all that excited. It wasn't kind of like a hardcore interview. It was he wanted to push a charitable thing. And, uh, you know, I got a couple, three minutes to ask other things after pumping and pumping and pumping his charitable thing. And don't forget to pump and pump his charitable thing. Um, but yeah, that's a good one. So I think still oddly enough, my best broadcast and the one that I've never listened to a second time was 9-11. I was on yeah. the air for five hours that day. And uh, within 15 minutes, uh, I said Osama bin Laden on the air because you remember Roger Bentley Arnold, economist oh, yeah. extraordinaire. He knew exactly who did that. And uh, we had to be the first news outlet to, to name the culprit, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, let's talk about what you do. You're a certified financial planner. You deal with retirees and wealth preservation. Um, as people crack above 35 and start accumulating wealth, they need to start really thinking about what to do with it. You sit down with them. You help plan. You help update the plan to make sure that people stay on track. This is a year where you're going to be doing a lot of updates, I would imagine, due to inflation. In our first segment, we talked about retirees worried about war, inflation, and disease. Let's talk a little bit more about inflation. And um, how are you dealing with fears inflation, but also how are you do, dealing with the real life implementation of changing or tinkering or uh, updating due to inflation? Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it's so much to, to do there because it's, it's kind of like, okay, where are you at? Are you still in the wealth building phase? Or are you in that, what some terms, some places call the red zone where you're within 10 years from retirement, right? Okay. The now, if you think zone. about it, most people in retirement, what do they do with their homes, Rob? Um, downsize. Yeah, they, they either stay put because they're in their home that they you know said, I want to retire in this home. I bought yeah. it. My kids are out of college. So now I've bought this new home. I work for another 10, 15 years and I'm in the home that I'm going to retire in. Um, or they sell it, downsize or sell it and buy two smaller ones in other places. Um, so where we're seeing a lot of the housing 
costs is or inflation is in housing costs, you know, rents going back up the cost of homes to silly, silly level. Um, and that'll start to, to slow down as well. Right. Because we got a big jump in the 30 year mortgage. So that'll kind of slow down, but retirees just don't have that. Oh no, rents going up next year issue. Um, they've either locked in their mortgage or they pay it off. Downsizing is interesting. Let's let's talk about downsizing for a minute because Prop 19 made it easier in California. So you can now sell your home. And Mm -hmm. even if you upsize, you can keep the property tax base if you meet the certain age criteria and keep your property taxes low. But here's what I'm starting to see when people downsize. A lot of times it's been out of California and they've gone to Phoenix and all of a sudden those property prices are way high. And then I see people spend a ton of money, Rob, on the moving costs now, yeah. which are like out of this world. And then they go buy a bunch of new furniture, which the, the inflation in furniture, I was trying to get oh, some, yeah. new, uh, some new um, outdoor furniture from Restoration Hardware. If I would have ordered two weeks ago, I'd have got it at the end of July. I mean, and the costs were like 15% more than what I was going to, when I should have ordered it last year. And so, you know, retirees, most of the time, they're kind of just, they're, they're staying put, right? And so they don't have as much of the food costs. And, and they're not, like I said, they're not driving or they go to an electrical vehicle. And as you age, you don't eat as much. I mean, how many people have, you know, parents or grandparents in their 80s and eh, they might eat a little piece of toast for breakfast or skip breakfast and have a piece of toast for lunch and have a dinner. You know what I mean? So the, sadly, that sounds like me <laughs> and I don't like that. Cause you said eighties and I'm like fifties. Don't you love how the, um, instead of it used to be called, oh, I skip breakfast. That's now called intermittent fasting. <laughs> <laughs> can I, t- can I tell word. you the, uh, can I tell you that you ordered a, a, some furniture? I want to tell you the one that I ordered. Cause I'm, I want to up you once in my life. Uh, we came into some money, my family and my wife spent $25,000 on a kitchen table or dining room table, ordered it nine months, still not here. I'm going to be dead before it comes and I'm going to have 10 total meals of toast on a $25,000 table. (laughs) Yep. I hear you. That's the kind of stuff. It's just, it's just like, all right, maybe I'll just wait and hold off and deal with what I have right now, because between how long I have to wait to get it because of the supply chain and the current costs, like, is this really worth it right now? And for the record, it's really not a $25,000 table because there's a hutch included in it and chairs, but it's pretty close. Okay. Back, back to you at inflation. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to picture a hutch now. There's a lot of, a lot of mahogany wood and leather bound books in your hutch. Marble. Oh, okay. <laughs> Even better. Italian, Italian, yes. It's not going to be cheap to ship. Gotcha. Well, getting back to inflation. Yes. The, um, so, you know, it's it, a lot of these, the situation that we're seeing is going to be a lot tougher on, you know, a family that's living paycheck to paycheck and, you know, gasoline's gone over five bucks a gallon. That's, that's really tough. You know, it's retirees though, aren't going to see as much inflation. Most of their inflation comes from healthcare costs, which we in our cash flow modeling always assume has been growing at 5% anyway. Okay. And once we have a very detailed cash flow model created a financial plan, we, we can show people different scenarios. Okay. Let's say if inflation goes from, that's eh, been about 2.25% for the last decade up to 35 
going forward plus 5% on healthcare costs, what does that look like? Are you still okay? And then you can also run Monte Carlo simulations, which takes a thousand different plus market scenarios, including periods of time with high inflation, like the late seventies, early eighties. And you can still get a success rate on the portfolio and the income plan. The, the issue that people get scared though about inflation is that, okay, the feds are rising. They, they, they are increasing interest rates. That's just the overnight lending rate between banks. At the same time, the Fed is selling bonds. And so you're seeing this big rate increase. You saw the twos in the 10-year invert for a little while, and that's what people typically go, oh, well, the, be on the, the recession watch because the, the two-year bonds for a short period of time from the U.S. Treasury were paying more income than the 10-year bond. So that's typically sets up for a recession watch, Right. And what happens during recessions? Um, with bonds or with the shrinking of the with, of GDP? With, with anything, asset prices pull back usually, right? For In sure. Theory, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so that's what people, you know, how is my portfolio going to look? What is my situation going to look like if we do go through a recession? And right. you never know exactly, but the idea of prepping for retirement is having a very detailed distribution plan. You know which account you're going to be drawing from on an annual basis. You know how much dividends and interest you have. And you know what your expenses are. So you know how much you're going to draw from principal every year. And you need three years worth of those principal bought draws and safe, safe money. And that'll get you through the recession if you have the right income plan in place. Coming up, we're going to continue talking with CFP, Chad Burton. We'll talk less about me and what I own. He's a regional director with EP Wealth. You can find him online at epwealth.com or at his website, chadburton.com. He also has a very popular podcast, both on uh, Apple iTunes and Google Store, the uh, podcast store, Spotify as well. You get the idea. You can find it, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. It's New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. Find him online at chadburton.com. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. Invest in what is really important. Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. Are you concerned with financial planning, tax planning, managing your investments, or just planning your retirement? Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP has your financial future in mind. Learn more by visiting robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black, talking with CFP Chad Burton. He and I have worked together in radio and media for 20 plus years. He's the best financial planner I've ever, ever, ever met. And it's just his knowledge really boils it down nicely and he communicates the content great. Doesn't mean he's the best financial planner ever, but he's really good at communicating financial planning issues. And it's always a joy to have you on the air with me. We're talking a little war, inflation, disease, inflation on retirees' portfolios. I say on air, I used to need X for retirement. When you add a kid, it's X plus 50%. When you add uh, a spouse, it's another compounding number on top of it. But inflation is just a weird one for me, Chad. And let's talk a little bit more as we you know, continue to get through this content here of uh, what retirement is going to look like and how it may be changed in 2022. Will I be able to age in place? Do I need to change anything on my estate planning assumptions? Should I not have quit my job? And I didn't quit my job, but a lot of retirees did quit their job during um, COVID. And now they're starting to say, you know, I did that a little too early. Let's unretire. What are you seeing right now? 
Yeah, I think we saw that in some of the job numbers. I think there was a, a return of work by quite a few retirees in the last number, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's like two to three uh, percent. People who retired have unretired. People who have quit have now called HR, which is great because you can get probably a pay raise for coming back to work. But then that's also creating workplace tension, they're saying, because the new employees are asking for more money and the employees that stay through are still set at their set salary. And I don't know, complicated times, Chad. It is. There's a ton of wage inflation um, between trying to find good people and resetting wages and things like that. that. That's a huge issue across almost every single industry right now. And so that's, that's, you know, we were talking about this a year ago when the Federal Reserve was still trying to, oh, I think this is just transitory. And I was like, I don't think this is transitory because the wage inflation is real. And that sticks, right? Once wages go up, it sets that new bar that, that sticks and then profit margins adjust. And in order for profit margins to stay the same, companies increase prices. And just to give it a real life example of that, when I was probably 18 years old, I could remember gasoline was like a buck 25 sometimes during the summer. It's mm-hmm. never gone all that way back down. So transitory means it's moving up for sure, but it doesn't move all the way back down, whether it's gas, whether it's food, um, you know, energy cost. We may just be in for a higher cost of everything, maybe not 7%, but it rarely does it roll back down to, to even Steven. Yeah. Well, we get, we'll get a year from now and then the comparables are going to get a lot tougher in terms of how much did inflation go up because you're start, you, you are always comparing this quarter to the same period last year, this year to the previous year. Right. And, and so 12 months in, you're going to get lower numbers anyways. And it's a really interesting situation because during COVID there were so many dollars that were chasing goods when most dollars were kind of chasing services. Okay. And so there's all this stimulus money that got pushed out there. There was just about every single business out there that did a PPP loan because they thought business was going to be in the toilet. So all of a sudden they get the PPP loan a couple months later, realizes that, you know what, unless you're a hotel, restaurant, travel, leisure kind of a thing. Most businesses I know have had the best two years, the last two years in a row. And so you, you can think of all these business owners that got a ton of tax-free money that they either use to expand their business and buy new, you know, large capital goods to, to expand their business, buy other businesses, or they just took the money home and bought a new RV. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, there's a ton of money that's out there. It's this velocity of money that's flowing through the system. That'll take another year or so to get, get through. And then, it, and then it's not going to be there. So you won't see as much, I think, chasing the good side of it. Um, if you just look at the increase in the cost of cars and automobile uh, cars and, uh, RVs and you know ATVs and things like that. that that's not going to continue. Um, the boating market, especially, it's just huge increases in prices. So between uh, not as much cash out there and then the demand of uh, destruction from higher prices um, and less uh, just less overall demand, I think we'll start to see it calm down a bit. But I don't think we're going to see two point two five percent for the next ten years. I think it's going to be a little higher, and that's okay because I'm not worried about stocks, Rob. I'm never really worried about stocks. Right. If you look at most rising rate environments, stocks still do well. And so you have to pay a little bit more attention to, uh, to quality. Most people have been drastically overweight in large cap growth, which has been expensive for a couple of years now. So they need to make sure they have that value exposure, small cap exposure. There's going to be a time to move more eventually into like European stocks, which are much cheaper. Um, did you see that story about uh, Jeffrey Gunlock? 
No, what do you say? So, you know, he's, he is really basically saying, and, you know, for those that don't know, Gunlock, once Bill Gross kind of lost it, he is considered the new Bond King. Uh, pretty smart guy. And he's, he sees it. It's going to be probably a tough time for the Federal Reserve to create that soft landing that they want to create. Um, but he recently bought European stocks for the first time in 13 years. I think it's uh, fair to say, Chad, that my portfolio that I manage myself, overweight, large cap tech names, mm-hmm. portfolio that EP Wealth manages for me is more diversified and more value-oriented. Again, saying that even the best of the best and even the best of us is a better way of saying that, get caught up in being shifted in the wrong direction. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. It's It's like the time to overweight isn't now, but if you look at the fundamentals and just even the dividend yield of... EFA ETF versus SPY, US, you know, S&P 500 ETF, dividend yield is higher overseas, P ratios are lower. Um, and prior to the Russian invasion, the revenue growth is probably looking a little bit stronger, but now they got all the oil issues and the inflationary issues to deal with. But if that subsides, that's going to be a really, really good value play. Interesting, because I brought up a story, you just talked about boat inflation. And you slipped in the phrase boat inflation, I'm coming back to that. Um, you know, you can get some, uh, yachts pretty cheap right now that have some, you know, Russian writing in the, the, the manuals. <laughs> I didn't think about that. I can see, I can see Chad on a mega yacht. <laughs> it's my last kids out of high school. Yeah. You're, you're going to see me bouncing all over the, the world working remotely. It's so easy now. Working remotely. Um, that's an interesting one to talk about for just a moment or two. Uh, how does that trend play out with your clientele as financial planning goes? Well, I mean, I used to, you know, having an office in Vancouver, Washington, near Portland, and then the Bay Area, I used to pop back and forth, gosh, every couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and between traffic issues and then the idea that when I work, I have four screens going um, with all of the different financial planning software, the investment uh, uh, reporting software and all the stuff that we use. And in terms of reviews and how we get things done, it's a lot easier now where the client doesn't have to drive 20 minutes to an hour in traffic, even if they're going 15 miles. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just more, it's easier to do reviews. You still have to have that FaceTime and, you know, see each other in person once in a while, but it, it it's made it a lot easier to get stuff done and a little bit more productive, I would say in terms of meetings. Are you able to do uh, everything that you need to on a Zoom meeting with like Monte Carlo simulations and trying no, to way, way easier. Way easier. Okay. Yeah. Cause if I'm sitting in a conference room with a laptop projecting onto maybe one screen, it it's a little tougher to flip back and forth to all the different screens that I need. So yeah, it's, I'd say it's a lot easier on Zoom. And then in terms of working remotely, I mean, there's all sorts of really cool stuff to I have two espresso screens that I travel with which are, they're thinner than a laptop and they've got this thing that flips out. It's all magnetic, all magnetic. So I can sit there and all of a sudden set up a three screen workstation in seconds. Um, and that's really nice. So if I travel somewhere, it's like I'm still in my office. It's interesting how quickly we all got used to it. Like I bought a second microphone so I could travel and uh, do a radio show, a podcast anywhere. So I hear you on that. What else do we need what? to hit? Whoops, go ahead. I was just saying, just open it up because, you know, we spent all these years building a business. So got into it when I was 19, had 
kids young, never really traveled much. And so now being able to work remotely also allows me to travel when I, you know, wouldn't have been able to, except for a couple weeks a year. Um, and the way that I've seen people progress through retirement, Rob, yeah, it's changed my entire view of how I want to retire and what I want to do now versus in retirement. How so? And it, well, it's because of those unexpected health issues. I've seen so many people retire and within a couple of years of retirement, they have some sort of a major health event or they're just not healthy and they can't do the things you want to do when you think about retirement. So I personally would rather delay my retirement and do a lot of those things now, make those memories with my kids while they still can travel with me and don't have their own kids, um, you know, go hella skiing and, um, you know, surfing and all these types of things. I would rather delay my own retirement than work till I'm 65 and then realize that, you know, my hips are all beat up. It's going to be tougher for me to go to Revelstoke and get dropped out of a helicopter, right? I totally, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I'm in a similar scenario, but not quite as extreme sports as you, just because I'm chicken. <laughs> Did I hear you laugh? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I, we, we'll take you up on a helicopter one time. You'll love it. So stocks you're okay with in higher inflation environments and lower inflation environments. Bonds, where do you stand on bonds right now as far as retirees? Well, it's, it's tough. I, I think that if people have a lot of cash that they're trying to get into that they know, okay, I've already got all my stocks. I need to go into fixed income. Uh, again, you got to do a tax analysis. It might be better and easier, might feel better for you to pay down or off your mortgage. Like if I did a whole podcast yesterday on talking about those issues. Bond market at two days ago was down 9% for the year. And interest rates are likely going higher. So we could get to a point of being oversold in bonds. And that, that's point is probably coming, but we don't know because rates are still increasing. So, you know, next segment, we can get into the, the bond side a little bit more. We'll get into the bond side next segment. He mentioned his podcast. It's called New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple. It's on Google phones, Apple phones, and much, much more. It's New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. You can find him online at chadburton.com. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Thank you for listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. This is just one tool that I use to help you create wealth. My website, robblackshow.com, is loaded with useful resources like planning for retirement and how to choose a financial advisor, financial strategy videos with certified financial advisors, and much, much more. You can contact me, and I will put you in touch with a certified financial planner. Visit robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. So the price of gold is looking like it's having a modest run towards a new high. Not a crazy play on inflation like it used to be, or not a, an obvious well play on inflation like it used to be. Speaking with CFP Chad Burton today, I'm kind of botching the interview. It's not my best, but it's also not my worst. And his content's always great and worth a replay. He mentioned yesterday, he put up some information on his podcast tied towards the real estate market that I think is worth listening to. You can find him online at chadburton.com. You can also get his podcast, uh, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton, Apple, Spotify, um, Apple phones, Google phones, wherever you get your podcast, you'll find him there. And if he's not there, let him know and he can post it wherever you are getting your podcast. Now, Chad, are you a little surprised that gold's not had a big play on uh, inflation? And, and I'm asking from your client perspective, maybe. 
Um, no, I think it's lost a little bit of luster. And I think some of the money that would have used to have flowed into gold is flowing, is flowing into cryptocurrency. How about bonds during inflation? Um, what is the temperature of your clientele as far as approaching bonds? Well, um, I, I will say that a lot of new people that have come in to, to work with me um, on larger portfolios, we typically, you know, if you're coming in with a lot of cash, we usually set up a dollar cost averaging strategy where we average into the portfolio over four to six months. And I've just been telling the traders, get the equity side done first because stocks I love over time. You know, we look out 20 years will probably average 10, 11%, pay dividends in the meantime, be positive 70% of the time, negative 30% of the time, and just really take good care of us. But the the fixed income side, it's what we're, we're all seeing these signs of rates of inflation. And so if we look at the 10-year treasury rate at the beginning of the year, Rob, mm-hmm. basically January 1st, it was 1.52%. It's 2.93 today. And when you look at a bond fund, you can look at, to, to find out what the sensitivity to interest rates are, you look at its duration. For example, if I'm looking at BND, Vanguard Total Bond Market ETF, it's got a you know, distribution yield of 2.36%. So it's not paying like that much more than a, you know, an indexed equity fund, right? But the effective duration is stated at 6.83 right now. So that means that if there's a 1% increase in the 10-year treasury, so from 2.93 to 3.93, you'll likely see that fund fall 6.8% in value, right? Sure. So that could mean that, okay, if we think that inflation's here to stay and the rates are going to continue to increase, that there could be some more pain along the way. So right now, BND is down 8.85% for the year. And that's because we had more of a 1% move in the 10-year treasury. So, so far the returns make sense, but I, what I think we'll look out for is that if there's another, t- like remember in 2013 with a, there was that taper tantrum where the yes. bond market dropped like seven, eight percent and then quickly recovered. And if you look at historical returns, when you have years of negative returns, two years in a row on bonds, and this is now the worst one we've seen, if, if we end the year at this level, um, the returns on bonds the following two years are really good. Typically, you know, you get into the double digit area. So I think with demand destruction and less money flowing out there from, you know, no more PPP loans and things like that, I don't think that the Fed is going to, you know, be able to raise as much as they think. I think that we'll start to see a slowdown next year. And, but as rates go up, we've just got to look for buying opportunities and bonds. And I think the best types of funds to do that are what's called unconstrained bond funds. So when you have a bond portfolio, um, if you have a lot of money, you can look at picking up individual bonds as they become attractive. But we separate bonds into two categories, our core bond fund, which is going to be the, our core bond funds, which are going to be more of the conservative bonds, you know, A rated and above, um, and we've shortened the duration. Then we've got our strategic bonds, which are floating rates, uh, funds that can kind of go anywhere and pick up bargains as they say, see fit. And um, then we do other things like think about the mortgage, right? Um, most people need to, in the Bay Area, where mortgages are much higher, especially going into retirement, you don't get a tax deduction on anything over $750,000 of mortgage between your first and second home, right? And you can no longer like take a large home equity line of credit and deduct that interest. 
And so a lot of those, the cost of interest is still the same as or are higher than what you're getting out of, especially California tax-free funds. So we've been doing a lot with, okay, instead of maybe putting this money in bonds, which there's a lot of unknown, as soon as you pay down or pay off your mortgage, you have less cash outflow. That means you have less safe money needs. And I'm telling you, it just makes people feel a lot better. It's, it's, it's a lot more concerning to go through a recessionary issue with a large mortgage balance than without, <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause you have less payments going out the door. Um, so I told a story on the podcast yesterday where we had a uh, couple and they had a $1.8 million, I think it was 1.5, $1.8 million mortgage. Uh, we had a liquidation event from their company stock. And so we decided they already had a bunch of equities going into retirement. And so they needed more bonds. And so we decided instead of buying bonds that we would pay down the mortgage to seven fifty, and we were able to get the current company to recast their existing mortgage. So they already had a good mortgage at 3.25%, but they were able to hear, Hey bank, here's the money, get it down to six fifty, uh, seven fifty, and recast the mortgage. So you redo my, my principal and interest payments so that they're much lower. And that made them feel a lot better. And now we're looking back and seeing the big decline in bonds um, since we did this in March and turned out to be a pretty good move. Why don't you close out the podcast, the broadcast? You've got about 45 seconds. Yes. Um, so minor portfolio adjustments. You got, if you're 10 years away from retirement, you got to make sure that your portfolio is correct. You have a very detailed cash flow plan. You know what your expenses are. You know how much you're getting in dividends and interest versus how much you're going to need to draw from principal. And of the principal draws in your portfolio, you need three years worth of that and save money. And then the ability to run high inflation scenarios and see what is your success rate? Are you going to be able to have enough money to last all your hundred? That's CFP Chad Burton. I'm Rob Black. You can find him online at chadburton.com. Again, the podcast is a great way to get into a starting relationship with him, but don't feel bad about reaching out to him as well. He does portfolio reviews. He can take a look at your scenario, decide if you need help or not. You can find him online at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. Some quick, interesting thoughts. Tesla inside their earnings report, and the earnings report was pretty fantastic for Tesla cars. They also said that solar deployments fell by 48% as import challenges held up delivery of some components. They didn't say exactly which components, um, but since a lot of the solar components are manufactured in Asia and with COVID, you can kind of put the two together that that's a pretty big drop. So if you have any exposure to solar, components are tough right now. That should help pricing in the short term, but it should hurt deliveries as well in the short term. Electric car maker Tesla deployed 48 megawatts of solar in the first quarter. That's down from 92 megawatts in the same period a year ago. Um, And last quarter is 85 megawatts. So a drop down to under 50 when you were pushing and expanding that tells you what's happening now yesterday we learned that netflix kind of what's the word uh pooch the punt that they were doing so well and it's something that i think we've all been talking about but i don't know if we really have been all talking about it out loud and what do i mean by that 
we're seeing that Time Warner is doing well with subscriber growth. HBO grows to nearly 77 million total subscribers as Netflix reports a decline. I told you earlier this week that <clears throat> as Netflix reported troubles, I'm going to take a look at it as do I want to hold it for two years and get a nice return? Because it looks it should be dead money. A lot of what they talked about was introducing an advertising tier, which is going to create some turn, some churn of their subscribers. Subscribers are tough to get. And, and where that goes right, right now is it's not an easy problem to reset their direction. Netflix estimates 100 million households are sharing passwords and suggests a crackdown is coming, which Netflix used to be the cool kid. Netflix used to be the, the fun company. Whether it's shows like Black Mirror or Stranger Things, we were like, this is pretty innovative television. HBO grows to 77 million total subscribers. I'm going to blend these two stories together and tell you if I'm going to invest in Netflix at the end of my segment. HBO and HBO Max had 76.8 million subscribers at the end of the quarter. That marks a 3 million subscriber increase. Now remember, Netflix lost 200,000 and they're expected to lose another 2 million to 2.5 million. And some people could look at spring and say, okay, people are going out. They don't really need to spend their days at home watching TV. We're no longer in winter, so we're not locked in cold. COVID is kind of passed, and we're kind of not passed. It's turned into a flu for now. That's the narrative. So we're going out, oot in a boot, as my Canadian friends would say, right? <clears throat> so you kind of get a seasonal week time for Netflix. I get it. You get it. We get it. We all get it. But AT&T's ex-HBO, which is now its own publicly traded company, Time Warner Media, they spun it off. Smart thing to do. I would expect HBO and HBO Max to be in play in the next year. I would expect an investor to come in and say, we want you. If it were someone like an Apple, I would not be surprised because you associate HBO Max with the best television and Apple wants to be that. I don't know if Apple's going to rush to pay a premium for it. But if you look at the back catalog of HBO, I think it's a lot more attractive than the back catalog of CNN. CNN is putting on its back catalog for CNN Plus. This is so embarrassing. Um, old interviews. And it doesn't make any sense that they were just replaying old news shows. <clears throat> That's not a good back catalog. Larry King, watching a Larry King interview. I don't know who to go with. Bill Gates. Oh, I want to see that 1989 interview. Not that intriguing, but for me, seeing the Batman on HBO Max six, eight, ten weeks after it was in movie theaters, that's a good value. For me to take my kids to the see the Batman, it's easily a hundred dollars. So I don't mind paying $15 a month to get two great movies delivered to my home plus a great back catalog. Now, again, you're going, yeah, I'm going to the movies. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's always going to be things that change in media, like DVDs and Blu-ray and streaming on demand and COVID lockdowns and straight to video. But Netflix has kind of become their own worst enemy because they were the cable cord cutter. They were the reason to cut cable. And what we found is that they've really 
don't have a lot of intellectual property that ages well. Bridgerton during the first season was incredible. It was sexy. It was mind blowing. You're like, but it was also a period piece and period pieces are, are trivial. They're stale. We're done with them. We want to move on. So the problem I have with Netflix is same problem that I have with cable. Five years ago in the middle of the night, I'd be like, there's nothing on cable. I'd get a thousand channels. I'd wake up, I'd moan and groan to you. I'd wake up and moan and groan to my spouse. I was like, there's nothing on. And then every now and then we got these little like buzzy house of cards. Or Netflix grabbed the total package of The Office for a few years, which is a cherished sitcom. So they had a great catalog. Then they had hit movies like Bird Box. And for less than 10 bucks a month, it was quite a proposition. Apple's trying to do the same thing. They're saying for less than five bucks a month, Rob, we're going to deliver you an Academy Award winning film for best picture. We're going to deliver you Jennifer Aniston, the star you always want to see more of. So everyone's taking a slightly different approach. And I'll be honest with you, um, Netflix is just looking like old cable. What are we going to watch tonight? And you flip through it and you flip through it and it stinks. The anatomy of a scandal, I don't want to ruin it for anyone. Underwhelming. Underwhelming with a twist that's so... eh. It should go. Yeah, I could have lived without watching that. Right now, the top shows on Netflix, Ozark, Poor Man's Breaking Bad, Ultimatum. Don't know anything about it. Serial Killer with Piers Morgan. As much as I could use without Larry King, I could use Life Without Piers Morgan as well. Critical hits like The Crown, Black Mirror, and Russian Doll. They all do really, really well in their first season. But as they come back for a second season or a third season, it's just not quite the same. Um, I think Black Mirror is one of my favorite shows on Netflix. And I, I've rewatched the whole, I don't know, maybe 45 episodes, 40 episodes. I've rewatched them once because I couldn't find anything else on. When I watched Space Force, which was promising Steve Carroll, John Malkovich, Trump era program, we've just started Space Force ourselves. It just was, it was average at best. Sex life is like a softcore porn without much storyline. So it's like a red shoe diaries. If you remember it's showtime in the 1980s and 1990s. Bridgerton is creative, but it played out better in this first season than its second. So Netflix is turned into, it's kind of a dullard. Dave Chappelle was a big signing for them, $60 million. And he probably wasn't worth the headache. Um, for all the, you know, applause that he gets, he probably lost them subscribers too for being transphobic. In the end, I, I think comedians could do whatever they want. I think they're an important part of society, but Netflix isn't an important part of society. They have to cater to the masses. Dave Chappelle, I don't think was worth it for him, but we'll see. So I'm trying to decide if I want to buy Netflix or if I want to buy HBO Max or if I just want to pass on the whole streaming sector. You saw the sci-fi drama Bright back in 2017 with Will Smith. It cost $90 million. And it was dull. Ryan Murphy, who plays the same punchable face character with 
the same lines in every movie. He's likable. He's handsome, but I want to punch him. Um, he made a $300 million movie deal with Netflix. And so far, I can't remember one movie. I know there's that red notice one or something like that. And there was one with a kid who's a starfighter from the future. But we've seen none of those are, are groundbreaking. So Netflix was really groundbreaking in my world when I first got Netflix 20 plus years ago, when they deliver red envelopes to your home and it'd be, you'd get them and you'd be like, okay, I got season one, first three episodes of, um, what are we, Sex in the City. Um, I don't know. The Sopranos. Let's do The Sopranos. So I got the first three episodes of The Sopranos, and then I got the next three episodes. So I got four, five, six, and seven, eight, nine. I got nine episodes to watch this weekend. I got all three CDs. Because remember, they would do two CDs or three, I'm sorry, two DVDs or three DVDs at once. And the faster you turn them, the more content you devoured, and the more you felt like it was a winning proposition. Like, how can they be making money on $9 a month? The problem with to me, the problem with Netflix is I'm never going to invite my kids like, let's watch a movie together. It's a new Ryan Reynolds film. But yeah, I'm going to want to go to the local movie theater and see the Batman and learn about all the Easter eggs. And I'm going to want to watch it a second time. So there's a problem with the content on Netflix, in my opinion. It's almost I'm ashamed to watch some of it. Not all of it, but some of it. Or you get an HBO Max and you, you kind of feel like anything you turn on is going to be pretty good. Um, or at least high quality. Westworld, I don't know when that's coming back for another season, but that's a fun one. Sopranos, that's an old one that you can watch a second time and go, oh, not as good as we, I remembered it. So would I buy Netflix? Not yet. It's not at a price I'm interested in. Do I think HBO is going to be up in play this year for the next two years? Yeah, I do. They got better content. Don't will I own it? Maybe not. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.